reasonable. Nothing personal word of the day for Tuesday, July 20th, 2021 is reasonable. Reasonable is a great word for me. You're not being reasonable. What does that mean? That means that you're not doing what I want you to do. Right? Reasonable is in the eye of the beholder. When people use the word reasonable, they're using it because they cannot come up with another way to articulate their argument in a convincing manner. That's not a reasonable price. That's possible. May not be reasonable to you, but that's what I'm charging. That's what I think it's worth. Honey, you are not being reasonable. We have to go visit my family. I think I'm being very reasonable. Don't want to do that. Owners are funny, right? Major League Baseball owners. It's such a great room to be in at first. Steve Cohn is the new owner of the Mets. He walks into the room. He knows he got in by the skin of his chinny chin chin. He joins Twitter. And his Twitter personality, everyone has a Twitter personality. I don't think his Twitter personality is reasonable. (laughs) Right? He does. He tweets things that to me are... Silly, borderline, moronic, somewhat humorous, but not to me. But they require a little further explanation, a little bit of a deeper dive. Like when he announced the, wet, the rain out before his team did. It's just yesterday's tweet caught my attention. He said, let's play GM again. First of all, Steve. That's what you're doing, number one. Number two, every fan plays GM again. You are hoping that they do because that's fantasy baseball. That is the way that people are engaging in your game, but not enough. You want everyone to second guess and question everything you do. That's the greatest thing about being an owner or president is everyone knows they can do their job better than you. And some of them are probably right. They just don't have the money or the opportunity or the luck weren't born on third base, weren't willing to do what was necessary or couldn't. Let's play GM again, he said. Make a trade now and pay a big price or wait until closer to the deadline and pay a reasonable price. Okay, let me break this down for you right now if you don't mind. What I want to break down is what's going on is we are at July 20th, 10 days before the trade deadline. This is a critical date in the baseball calendar. And the reason it's critical is that if you do not make a trade and add a player to your roster by July 30th, you cannot add a 40-man player from any other team to your team for the rest of the season. It's the only deadline there is. In previous pre-COVID years, There was something called the waiver deadline, which was August 30th or 31st, where you could still make trades up to that day. Now there's one deadline. That's it. So if you don't get the player you want or you don't trade the player you want to trade by July 30th, that player is on your team unless you just release them, which teams aren't going to do because then you don't get anything back. So we're 10 days away. You're an executive, you're a GM, you're a president, you're an owner, and you're trying to figure out, are we, first question, are we buyers or are we sellers? And you're reading a lot of articles about teams on the fence. Should the Reds 
buy or sell. The Reds lost in 11 innings to the New York Metropolitans, 15-11 or something. Sell! The Mets came back to win, but blew a save, but then won. We're in first place. We're doing great. Forget the Nationals, even though they're hot. Bye! Steve Cohn puts the rumor out through the media that they're going to make a big splash. Sort of like getting Trevor Bauer and George Springer and JT Relamuto last offseason. A big splash. Thank God Trevor Bauer's not a Met right now. For Mets fans, not for Dodgers fans. So the Mets are rumored to make splashes. Teams are figuring out if they're in the middle. Here's a little nugget for you. There is not one team in Major League Baseball today, 10 days before the deadline, who does not know whether they are buying or selling. They're telling you that, and they're saying, hey, let's see how we do. Yankee fans, let's see how we do against Tampa and Boston over the next 10 days leading up to the deadline, because that will inform the Yankees whether they're going to buy or sell. Horse hockey. When you are running a team, you know exactly what you're doing by July 20th, and you're in the process of doing it. You're just not telling anyone what you're doing because you think it gives you a competitive edge. You think, hey, I'm going to get a better trade. I'm going to get better players for fewer prospects. I'm going to get more prospects for worse players, depending on if you're buying or selling. But publicly, we always say, yeah, let's just see. And we say that in the clubhouse, too. That's a good one. Hey, guys, come on. We got 10 days. We got to go seven and three. Let, let's show the owner that we're really that we're in. I like when I would tell the players that let's show the owner that he should take care of us. <laughs> Whatever. We're talking to the owner every day, all day. And the GM is already positioned to make all the deals that he wants to make. Why? Money. Every team knows exactly whether it has to shed payroll, whether it can add payroll, and if it can, how much, or whether they're staying neutral, where they don't need to shed, they don't need to add, and they've been told, stay where you are, let it ride. So that's the first question. Are you a buyer or are you a seller? I'm just letting you know this, Steve, so you know exactly what's happening because you've made the decision. You know exactly how much money you're willing to put into the team, how much extra, how much closer to the luxury tax threshold you're willing to get. You know what your commitments are next year. You have an idea now about your revenue and your attendance, and you know whether people are coming to games and what they're spending. You know all this stuff. Okay, next question. Do we want pitching or do we want hitting? This is a good one because what you're being told is certain teams want big bats. The Yankees are looking for an outfielder. The Dodgers are looking for pitching. True. That's not how it really works. You're calling all the teams. You're asking about all the players that you want, who you want, not that. Players are whose. Who you want. If you want a bat because you think you need a bat, then you are going to get a bat. You are not going to say to yourself, I can't get Joey Gallo, so I'm going to take a bullpen arm. What you say is, I can't get Joey Gallo because I'm not willing to pay the price to the Rangers that the Rangers want for Joey Gallo. So I'm going to get a different bat and hope that my scouts and development people are better than other teams. So you have a depth chart of acquisition targets. That's when you're buyers. In my opinion, and I have, I've been a part of buying. I was thinking about this. We were talking about this on a previous show. I've been a part of trade deadlines where we acquire bats, where we acquire arms, 
where we sell off bats, where we sell off arms, been a part of it all. What we would tell you after a trade took place is that we felt this was the right move for the organization at this time. And we were so excited to get these three players from this team. We've had our eyes on these players for several years. We're excited for them to join the nucleus of our great farm system as we continue toward our rebuild and being competitive year in and year out. It's the same sentence, the same sentiment every time. When you acquire someone, you say, this is exactly what we wanted because we wanted to show our locker room and our clubhouse that we're supportive of them. But we wanted reinforcements because as we head into the final two months of the season with injuries that are happening and the possibility of great competition with not expanded playoffs, we wanted to have depth. The Dodgers would say, hey, you know, we're defending champions. We want to win another championship. We want to be the first team to repeat since the Yankees. And to do that, we're going to need pitching in case we have a lack of starting pitching and Clayton Kershaw doesn't come back as soon as we wanted, or you just can never have enough arms as you go through October. And yes, we had to pay a big price. We always say that when you're buying someone. Yes, we had to pay a big price, but it's worth it. And the reason you say that is for fans. So fans can say, wow, my ownership group and my team really wants to win so badly that they're willing to pay a big price. It's not that we're trying to manipulate you. We just want to proffer our narrative and have you buy into it. And our narrative is whatever we end up doing becomes our narrative. If we want to add a pitcher, but we end up not adding a pitcher, then we tell you we love the team we have. We don't need to add a pitcher. If we need a bat because we're not scoring enough runs, but we don't secure a bat, what we say is our pitching is so good, but we believe that our hitting is going to come around as the season continues into the latter stages. So the narrative we have prepared in advance, depending on whether we make a trade, don't make a trade, who we trade and how we trade them and who we get back. And you're asking yourself, what the hell's going on? We got 10 days and no one's made a trade. Have there been no trades, Coca? That can't be. There's, there's got to have been a trade, some minor trade, a small trade that's totally escaping me because we're live. But none of the big trades, right? Do you know why you wait to the end? Either you trade at the end of June, beginning of July, mid-June to beginning of July, which gives you enough chance to see whether or not your team gets better. And if it does, you can then add more. And if it doesn't, you can subtract what you added. There was a recent trade. Someone just got someone who I said could play for two weeks and then they decide Coca. I don't think Coca's listening anymore because he's so upset about the Mets and Steve Cohn. What, there, was a, there was a trade that just happened and, uh, and it was a team that was on the cusp, on the edge, whatever, it doesn't matter. So when you're on, when you're on July 20th, the reason why now you're going to really see most of the trades happen toward the 30th is that it's a game of cat and mouse that happens between GMs. So they're calling each other and they're talking about Joey Gallo. Let's just use his, him as his example. He absolutely should be traded. Starling Marte absolutely should be traded for the Marlins. These are bats that are available. And what you are doing, if you are the Marlins or you are the Rangers, Jock Peterson, Coca, thank you very much. Jock Peterson was traded to the Braves who had just lost to Cunha and they got him just to maybe see what they could do in the meantime, see if the Mets would falter and the Nationals wouldn't get hot and the Phillies wouldn't get hot. 
and the Marlins would keep being the Marlins. And then they can either move Jock or just keep him for the rest of the year. Thank you, Coca. Thank you, Coca. Thank you, Coca. <laughs> okay, back to our show. What were we talking about? Pick of the day. Weren't we in the middle of talking about something? Hold on. Let me think. Could you rewind that, Coca? Ah, 10 days. Thank you, Coca. Ready? Just wipe that. 40, 60, 9. Hi, I'm David Sampson with Nothing Personal, and we're talking about why no Major League Baseball trades are happening, really, other than the Jock Peterson trade, which took place a couple of weeks ago. And the reason is that when you're this close to the deadline, you are involved in negotiations with all teams. And if you have a player who is wanted by other teams, you are simply setting up your best deal for each team. So the process is this. If you are the Rangers with Joey Gallo, you have the Yankees, you've got the Braves, you've got the Reds, just name 10 teams, doesn't matter, the Mets, and you are going through their system and you are calling those teams and saying, we've got Joey Gallo available, here is the deal. And you come up with the three players you want from each of these teams and you say to the team, let us know if you'll do that deal. But even if you say yes to the three players we ask you for, we are still going to wait because we've ranked the deals that we want with the three players from each team. And if we love the players from the Yankees more, we are going to wait to the last possible second for the Yankees to say yes to our three players because that's the deal we want. And when you are selling, you wait for the deal you want. What are the risks? The risks are that it gets to be the deadline and you don't get the deal you want from the team you wanted, guess what you do? You go to the second team and the second deal that you wanted and then the third team and the third deal that you wanted. You go down and if the team with the best deal goes to get someone else, then you go to the second team. If they go to get someone else or say, we don't wanna do it, you go to the third team, but we are prepared at all times and the question for us is, how long do we wait if we know that our third place deal is ready to go right now? How long do we wait to get our second and first place deal while risking our third place deal does another deal and we have to then do our fourth place deal? Do you got that? Well, that depends on how desperate you are. When we had to shed payroll, and we had our third best deal on the plate, on the table. I think I just mixed metaphors. We would wait, but not to the edge of time because we knew we had a lower payroll. If we knew that we were willing to add payroll, we'd be willing to wait and try to get the player where we would have to give up the least amount of prospect capital. Because when you're a low revenue team, giving up prospects is how you hurt your farm system. Spoiler alert, we hurt our farm system. You're not going to get it perfectly right every time. You're going to screw up the timing. You're going to leave a better deal on the table because you didn't take it because you were waiting for an even better deal. You're going to screw it up because the deal that you thought was the number one deal contains prospects in it that will end up being worse than the prospects you had in your fourth place deal. All of that is guaranteed to happen because of the nature of prospects and how unsure it is that prospects are actually going to make it. But 
You count on your baseball people to do their jobs and to be good at their jobs. But even the best baseball people can't get it right every time. They just don't have the ability. So it is a high wire act. When you are doing a high wire act, what is the excuse you need in order to look the best you can to your boss? What's the number one excuse that you all use when your boss calls and says, hey, this was not your best effort? Everyone says the same thing. I agree, but I was up against the clock. This was an emergency situation, so I had to get it done. I would have loved another week. I would have loved just to the end of the day, but you knew you had to get it done by noon, I know. But if I had till five o'clock, it would have been a better spreadsheet. I would have had better sales if I had, if I didn't have the weather, the weather, oy vey, I couldn't drive to Kalamazoo. So I ended up in Grand Rapids and that cost me 6% of sales because my big client in Kalamazoo, you know the story, there was weather. So there's always a reason when you don't have the performance that was expected of you or that you wanted. In baseball, the reason we use, and it's one of my favorite reasons, it was the deadline. I mean, we had to do the deal. We had till four o'clock on July 30th. What do you want me to do? And I would always tell our owner, don't buy into that. We could have done this deal a week ago, 10 days ago, five days ago, two days ago. But we wait till the end because we think we're going to get the best possible deal at the end. And sometimes you get screwed. It's like the people who want to get to the airport when the plane's boarding. Sometimes it's going to work out and sometimes you're going to miss your plane because of unforeseen circumstances. That's why you've got that huge frenzy that takes place on July 30th. So look for that again, because there will be a frenzy on July 30th. I can promise you that. Okay, Coca, I think we should talk about money a little more and we're getting a lot of questions about it. So talk to me. You know what I want? I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson for all the new listeners and viewers of nothing personal. Thank you so much for being here. So you want to talk to Samson is when you get into my Twitter at David P Samson. That's D-A-V-I-D-P-S-A-M-S-O-N. Get into the DMs and ask a question. I will try to get to it on a show. Try to answer it directly back to you on Twitter or maybe save it for a mailbag episode. Whatever the case is, thank you for contacting me. My DMs are open. Hey, David. Hello. I can't get enough of this show and your appearances on the local hour. Well, thank you. Keep it up. Oh, and thanks for the Conine jersey I won for beating Coca in the March Madness pool. For those of you who are new to the show, we did a March Madness pool. We did a bracket pool on CBS. And if you beat Coca, you were in a lottery because everyone beat Coca, and the winner of that raffle got a jersey. After your appearance on the local hour, someone spoke about the tax rates and methods owners use to improve the bottom line on their tax returns. This has me thinking that both large and small revenue teams intentionally lose money for the benefit of tax relief. I'd love to hear your experiences on if owners intentionally lose money for this reason. Thank you for asking that question. For whatever reason, you are not alone. Fans have this amazing thought 
that owners and presidents revel in losing money or make up the fact that they're losing money so they can excuse lower payroll. Let me explain a couple things. First, let's talk about taxes. My grandfather, his name was Harry. He passed away, I don't know, 15 years ago, 15 years ago. He taught me something very important. No one ever got poor paying taxes. There are people who don't want to pay taxes. And if they don't, they go to jail. But the concept of paying taxes is this. You only pay taxes when you are making money. So just think about that as we talk about this subject. If you lose money, like let's say in your life, you run a business and your business has no cash profit, your business has no book profit, and the difference between cash and book is pretty self-explanatory. A book profit is when you can show that your company is losing money from an accounting standpoint, but it makes money from a cash standpoint. There are accounting tricks, but they're not tricks because they're available to everyone. They can be used to show that you are not making money when in fact you are. And that impacts the amount of taxes you pay. But in your business, like in your life, if you are working and you have a job and you are making $75,000 a year, you are paying taxes because that is the world in which we live. That is the country in which we live. And there's nothing you can do about it. And you get upset because you see people like Jeff Bezos, who's up in space right now. I don't know if it's right now, but it's pretty soon. Wish him luck. Can you imagine how funny it is off the subject? Richard Branson and Jeff Bezos sort of fighting each other to get into space first, like they're somehow changing the world. But they have to say that they are like, hey, we're trying to find life on Mars or create life on Mars, like making another planet like the movie Passengers or is that the one with Jennifer Lawrence and, uh, and the guy from Guardians of the Galaxy and the Tomorrow War? Um, Schwarzenegger's son-in-law, whose name escapes me. Andy Pratt, uh, Chris Pratt, thank you. That's what the billionaires are saying they're doing. We're going to find life. We're going to create life. We're going to make life. And then once we ruin this planet, we'll move on to the next planet. Guess what? There's been movies about it. I'm not sure it's going to actually work that way. Good luck. It's just ego. And I'm fine that Bezos has an ego. We all have egos. I find that Branson has an ego. It's just funny. When you don't have an enemy, you have to create an enemy. We're not trying to beat Russia into space. So now we're just trying to beat each other into space. Okay. Have fun, Jeff. Meanwhile, I'll keep getting my packages. <sighs> I just don't know why. We're oh, yeah. The billionaires don't pay taxes. That's the theory that we have that you all have that is written about that they find a way owners find a way to not pay taxes. They find a way to show losses. So I think your question, you're confusing something. What we do is we have something called depreciation and amortization, which means we can when a team is bought or when any business is bought, you can take any asset that's in that business and depreciate it over its useful life. So if you buy a car as part of the business you're buying, you can depreciate the value of that car. If you buy a baseball team and you've got a 
contract that you're buying, like for Jacob deGrom, you can depreciate the value of that contract. This is all allowed. This is all legal. And when you have high levels of depreciation or amortization, you are able to lower your income is the best way to put it, your earnings, and lower your tax liability. This is normal standard operating procedure. It's not even a loophole. It's what the country does. It's what the IRS does because you want to incentivize purchases and sales. You want to incentivize growth because that then allows other people in the economic world to benefit as well. Have you ever wondered why there's always construction where you live? I'm just asking why you always say to yourself, God, there's been construction on the Van Wick since I was born. Are they ever going to get the BQE right? Man, 495 stinks. 95. Every lanes are closed. Every month in Gdansk, you can get stuck in traffic. Have you ever wondered why that is? Have you ever wondered that it's in the best interest of the community to have the construction sector operating and employing people so they're working, so they're part of the economy? Construction will never end, ever. But that doesn't mean that they're doing anything wrong, these owners. And it also doesn't mean they're trying to actually lose money. So when you ask me, does the tax relief come from losing money? No. And you then you ask me on top of that, do you intentionally lose money? That is ridiculous. Why would I intentionally lose cash money for our owner? So I can call him up and say, hey, I got a question. Can you send me $11 million by wire if you don't mind? Here's the wiring instructions because we have to meet payroll. Isn't it better to say, hey, we've got $11 million in payroll this quarter and we're fine. We've got the money. But don't worry, we're not paying taxes. You're going to get losses that you can use in the rest of your life and your other businesses because of how the tax laws work. That I'm going to do. You don't sit around saying you're going to lose money. Think about that. That would be the equivalent of you saying, I'm not going to work. I make 75 grand and I have to pay taxes. My better plan is to not make 75 grand because then I don't have to pay taxes. It's not going to happen. It's silly. Thank you, though. And enjoy the Conine jersey. All right. When we come back, we're going to review a movie that I'm embarrassed to tell you is about a story that I didn't know enough about. And we also, today is a big Milwaukee day, Coca. If you are a, uh, a Milwaukeean as I am, or an NBA fan, today could be the day for the first time in 49 years when the Milwaukee Bucks will win a world championship. I'm pretty excited, Coca. We'll be right back. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David Sampson. Thank you for rating, reviewing, following, spreading the word about Nothing Personal, voting for us. How long are we going to pin that tweet, Coca? He let me pin a tweet. I really don't like pinning tweets, but he let me pin a tweet for the podcast awards where you can vote up until the end of July. But I don't know. Does that mean July 31st? Does that mean July 30th? And it's right in Twitter, David P. Sampson. It takes like a minute to sign up. We have a chance to be best male host. I don't know if that's Coco or me. Uh, Best sports podcast. People's Choice Award for the best podcast. Those are three categories. Thank you for that. Might as well try to win one. I think we have a chance if we win one to, to get Coca raised, which is very important to me. If you saw Coca the way I see Coca, you'd know. Okay, part of this is I watch a movie every day. And what I do is I choose movies that seem interesting to me, documentaries, movies that you suggest. Someone told me to watch Mary J. Blige, My Life, the documentary, so I did. And I must tell you, I had no idea about Mary J. Blige's life. It is fascinating to me the number of things I don't know, because I always had the feeling, which is totally egomaniacal, that I knew a little bit about a lot and enough to converse about almost anything. After all, I <laughs> time out, cut. Six, nine, 69. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. I watch a movie every day, Mary J. Blige, My Life, a documentary about Mary J. Blige, and I was not necessarily aware of her past, the amount of abuse she had. It is amazing to me uh, and how sad it is and how pathetic it is that this type of abuse happens and the impact it has on people. There are not enough therapists in the world and there are not enough people going to enough therapists to deal with it. Mary J. Blige had a tough start and has become and is iconic and beloved by so many people. This documentary goes through her pain. It goes through her process. It goes through her journey. I was thinking about the movie Rock of Ages the whole time, thinking about the role she played, the sort of motherly figure she played to the people who worked in the Gentleman's Club. And I realized that we all overcome things in certain ways, right? The reason why you should watch what other people overcome and why documentaries like Mary J. Blige, My Life are worth your time. The reason why is that it will give you a better sense of what you're doing and that it's okay what you're doing and that the process you have and that the pain you have and that the journey that you are taking to survive, the journey you are taking of this life while you think it is out of the ordinary and you think your issues and problems are worse than anyone else's, you are not alone. And part of what we've talked about so much with mental health and anxiety disorder and lack of sleep and insomnia and worries and concerns and rich people don't have worries, poor people don't have worries, athletes don't have worries, entertainers don't have worries. Everyone is the same. We all have those worries. You are not alone as a listener, as an audience member or Mary. We love you. We are with you. Watch the documentary. It is absolutely fascinating. What is not fascinating to me is that I can't win a pick of the day right now. I just can't. Lance Lynn pitched a great game. 
the White Sox should have beaten the Twins because the Twins suck and Lance Lynn doesn't. He had just signed an extension, but it's baseball. He went seven innings, gave up a run, and the White Sox lost. No wonder it's hard. But I'm still 95 and 79, and we got to talk about game six. The Bucks are favored by five. I want the Bucks to win so badly, you have no idea, so I'm taking the Suns plus five. And the reason I'm taking the Suns plus five is I'm on a bit of a cold streak and I'm betting with my heart and don't pretend that you don't. I'm using double reverse psychology like Wallace Shawn and Princess Bride. I clearly can't pick the team in front of you. Suns plus five. What do you think is going on right now in Milwaukee when you're in the front office of the Bucks? You're at home. You've expanded the Deer District to like 40,000 people. You're expected to have 60,000 people. You are in a community that's a small town, but a great city. You have not had a championship in Milwaukee since 1972, 49 years. You are right now, and they're going to deny it, but I swear to you it's true. You've got people in your organization working on a parade. You've got people in your organization working on figuring out the logistics of what will happen after a title. You've got people starting to think about rings, championship rings and their designs. You are doing this very quietly, I assure you, because you don't want to jinx anything. The people in the locker room are getting ready for the possibility of a celebration. There are restaurants in Milwaukee getting ready to host a post-post celebration with players. Do you think players after a championship just sort of decide, hey, let's go to Arby's? No, they make a plan of where they're going to go. So that place is ready for them. These things actually do happen. And it's not a bad thing. It doesn't mean the Bucks are going to win tonight. It just means that what seems seamless to you as a fan takes a lot of internal work for other people. It's people who work for the team. It's people who work for the players, whether it's agents or friends, because celebrations don't just happen. Ticker tape parades don't just happen. Logistics of a parade don't just happen. Logistics of a celebration don't just happen. It requires preparation. It was always very strange to me what we were doing in 2003, preparing to win even when we were down, preparing for the possibility of winning when we're losing in the pennant three to one against the Cubs in the championship series. Yet you have to plan for the world series. You're down three, one, and you're talking to your employees. Hey, we have a chance to be in the world series. We've got to plan the following parties. Then we've got to talk to the public uh, officials and the government about a championship parade and where it would be Miami, Fort Lauderdale, both. How do we do it? Do you think you make those plans the day after you win the world series and then have the parade the next day? Uh, it doesn't quite work that way. I am super excited at the moment. I truly am for Milwaukee. If you are the GM of the Bucks, you are not listening or paying attention to any of the planning that's happening. If you are the owner of the Bucks, you are not paying attention to any of the planning that's happening. You are having your team president do it. They have a great team president in Milwaukee whose brother, anyway, doesn't matter. That was totally irrelevant. I don't even know I had a thought like that. Great team president. His name is Peter. You are keeping your owners out of it because the owners are losing their minds. You are protecting them from all the people who need and want tickets. 
to this game. You're protecting the players from any sort of distraction. And the reason you are doing that is that you want to win so badly and you think that if players are distracted, they're not going to win. You think that if players are not focused on solely the game at hand, then you're not putting them in the best possible position. I always took issue with that because I think players are professionals. I think that they are able to deal with the distractions of life. And when we try to baby them and take away all their distractions, it doesn't help them deal with adversity. Yes, when you are in the World Series or you are in the NBA championship, you are dealing with stuff that you're not dealing with if you weren't in it. Which do you choose? Do you choose to never win or do you choose to be as busy and as distracted as winners need to be? Those are the people who win. Players come in with their headphones. That's what you see on TV always, right? Tennis players walk into the court with the headphones. Basketball players, they get, they're on cameras. They're walking to the clubhouse, getting off the team bus, walking toward the locker room, and they've got the headphones on, and they're locked in. No, they just don't want to talk to the media. They don't want to stop. All right. Milwaukee has a lot going on. I know that you guys are all upset about Aaron Rodgers. You're trying to wonder, is it true that Shalene Woodley has never watched football? Is it true that she's going to ruin Aaron Rodgers? He hates Green Bay because of her. What's happening? Is he going to play? Is he not going to play? Is Jordan Love going to take us to the promised land? Will he be the next Favre and Rodgers? This has been something that's in your mind. You're distracted by the Bucks, but you know the latest is after Thursday night, you are in full panic mode about the Packers. The Packers are trying to figure out what they're going to do with Aaron Rodgers. Well, there's a report that is out today that made me smile. The report says that Aaron Rodgers was offered a two-year contract extension that would have tied him to Green Bay and would have basically kept him a Packer for five more years and made him the highest paid player in football. He declined the offer. And what people are now saying is, David, you recognize that it's not always about money. Sorry, I don't agree with you. It's always about money. However, when you are Aaron Rodgers and you look at what your career earnings are, and then you look at what you could earn elsewhere and how it's not less than what the Packers are offering because you believe you're still the best quarterback in football coming off an MVP season. You believe that you have the best opportunity, but you don't want to be in Green Bay because your girlfriend, fiance doesn't like it. And you don't like the GM. You don't like the coach. You don't like punting. You like going forward on fourth. You want to win Super Bowls, blah, 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 whatever the reason is. Trust me. For Aaron Rodgers, it is totally about money. It's totally about respect and fame. And it's totally about what he wants in his life and with the people in his life. But the Packers, like many teams, say to the player, all right, we give in. We'll make you the highest paid player. It doesn't work because there have to be other components to it. If Green Bay wants to seriously acquiesce to Aaron Rodgers, they make him the highest paid player. They give him say over personnel. They give him all of the play calling. Yes, you get to call your own place. You want to go for it on fourth down, you do it. You want to punt, raise your right arm, we punt. 
No problem. You want us to draft? We're going to let you do the draft too. No worries at all. Happy to do it. Can you imagine a team giving a player that much power? If I'm the Packers, I'm letting Aaron Rodgers walk. Bye-bye. Of course, I'm going to offer him a deal, but I'm going to make it so miserable for him that he's not going to take it because we believe we're at, he's at the end, not the beginning. There's only one Tom Brady, and Tom Brady is some sort of crazy unicorn. Aaron Rodgers is not that. The juice is not worth the squeeze. Why do you think the Packers would want to make it known that they made Aaron Rodgers an offer that would have made him the highest paid player in football? Why would they do that? Because do they think that that fools you, the fans in Milwaukee and Green Bay and all over this world, that, oh, that's why you had to trade him. That's why we didn't keep him. It's ridiculous. <sighs> hey, wait to see. We got to get some wait to see's in Coke, okay? Wait to see is when we say something's going to happen and then it either does or doesn't. The interesting thing about wait to see's is that I coined it wait to see because I love that expression. It's a hashtag I use on Twitter, Davey Sampson. And the reason I use that hashtag is so many things in life are wait to sees. You say it's going to be one way. I say it's going to be another. Wait to see because it's going to be something. Tomorrow's going to be sunny. Wait to see. Tomorrow's going to come. The sun will rise. And either it's going to be sunny or cloudy. The best part about wait to sees is that I'm not like the other male hosts nominated for a People's Choice podcast, eligible for nomination. I'm not like any of the people you may listen to, any of the other, I say this with love, gas bags. And when I do a wait to see, I want to tell you that I'm going to revisit them. And when I tell you something's going to happen, I'm going to say, if it doesn't happen, it didn't happen. If it does happen, it did. Back on May 4th, 2021, we had a wait to see that the NBA play-in tournament is here to stay. It's too good. Yes, it sucks if you're the seventh seed and you don't win the play-in tournament and you're out of the playoffs. I get it. But it's way too important to the NBA to have all these extra cities in the quote-unquote playoff race late into the season. Well, it was announced that the NBA play-in tournament is back next year. We got that one right. That was an easy one. On June 4th of 2021, I told you that by July 15th, an MLB manager will be fired. I didn't get it right. There has not been an MLB managerial firing, and today's July 20th. I just didn't get to it in any show since the 15th, but that is a no. What surprises me is that there's not one owner who's panicked enough about his team who thought it was going to be good, that it's not good, that's willing to fire a manager. I wonder if times are changing. I wonder whether owners are now realizing what's the use of firing the manager. The manager doesn't do squat anyway. All the manager does is what we tell him to do. We give him the lineup. We tell him when to make the pitching changes. As long as the manager can put three sentences together and make a paragraph, as long as the manager has the ability to understand what we're telling him to do and then actually do it, as long as the manager doesn't say, I love Castro, then what's the difference? When it comes time to make changes and I'm the owner, I might as well fire the GM, but that's not so easy either. So maybe that's why there's more job security and managers, or maybe manage, maybe owners are realizing why pay two guys to do the job of one guy. Cause when you fire a manager, you have to pay him the balance of his contract and you have to hire another manager and pay him. Why pay double when it's a figurehead? So I got that one wrong. 
On June 7, 2021, I said an MLB pitcher will be suspended for sticky substances, and Hector Santiago was suspended. He then appealed, and on June 30th, 2021, I said the 10-game appeal is going to be denied. Guess what? Hector Santiago appealed. They did not lower it from 10 games to nine games or eight games, which is what they do with other such appeals for on-field infractions. When it came to sticky substances, no doubt about it at all, that appeal was never going to be lowered. And it was announced that Hector Santiago is out of luck for 10 games. That was a wait to see from June 30th. Wait to see today. Let's go back to those New York Metropolitan. The Mets are in a bit of a pre-deadline pickle, in my opinion. DeGrom is hurt again, forearm tightness. Lindor has an oblique strain, and an oblique strain, if you are a player, is not good. If Lindor has a severe oblique strain, you can miss six weeks, eight weeks. That's two months. The Mets, if you watched the game last night, their defense is suspect. Their offense is fine once in a while. Their pitching is okay once in a while. The division is not so terrific, but the Nats and the Braves could overcome the Mets. Steve Cohn wants to win. He wants to win a world championship in the next three to five years. The Mets are not a World Series team right now. The way they are constituted, they cannot and will not win the World Series. The pickle is, are you willing to go for it even when you feel as though it's probably not your time? And my answer is yes. The New York Mets are going to add for the sole reason that Steve Cohn is pot committed to this season. He's pot committed to a world championship. And when you are that, that means that you're all in. You are going to add and you are going to try to add in a way that is significant. You wait to see the New York Mets will add. Well, that's the show today for today. Tomorrow, we are going to cover what is going on in Oakland. There is a huge vote taking place that will have a major impact on whether the Oakland A's stay or the Oakland A's leave like the other teams in Oakland. Or it won't. Come back tomorrow because we'll be here. It's just business. It's nothing personal.